Welcome to the Couch Podcast. I'm Dr. Deborah Campbell. On the couch, I answer your tricky questions about life and relationships and everything, really. So if you have a question, please email it in and I will do my best to help you out with my answer. A couple of times now, I have been talking about Married at First Sight Australia 2018. Why would I do that? Why would I talk about a tabloid TV show? I hear some of you asking. Well... I've got a really good reason. It's because there's so much to be learned. And as a couple therapist psychologist, I'm sitting there watching it because I've actually gotten really sucked into it, as so many uh, Australians have. And I just keep thinking this is an amazing learning opportunity for the couples that I see and for everybody to see some of how not to do things and also some of the most common relationship mistakes people make and how to overcome them without more pain, you know, without digging your hole deeper. Also, it's great for recognising red flags for relationships. And what I mean by red flags is those, those signs of danger that can come up both from ourselves and from a potential partner where we can see this is not going to be great long term. So it's, it's so easy to see those things when you're not involved and you're sitting back watching, uh, but it's much harder when you're in it. And a great way to learn is to uh, look at other people and go, okay, I can see that, I can see that and, uh, and take it on board. So what have we got to say about what's been happening lately? We're coming up to the last week of this show next week. Let's have a recap of where we are with what we know about the couples Understanding, of course, that if I was seeing these couples actually on my couch in my therapy room uh, for couple therapy or for help and support with their relationship, I would know so much more of the details of what was happening than what we all do sitting back and, and watching an edited version. But let's see what we can learn from what we do know or what we're shown. Tracy and Dean, the most controversial couple, last night at the dinner party with their their truth honesty box, they had a few moments of growth, I suppose we could call it, where they saw more truth in each other and they acknowledged that truth in each other, however ever unpalatable that truth was i.e. for Tracy, that Dean said he probably would have left if the uh, roles had been reversed and she had been secretly meeting up with another guy behind his back in the early days of the show. And Tracy told Dean that some of the reason why she had stayed on the show and not left after he did that was out of spite to try to show him that there needed to be consequences to his actions not sure how much I buy that because Tracy seemed to be awfully enamoured and nice uh, to Dean even though she said that she wanted to make him pay. I don't know. Anyway, it provided for some interesting moments. What is going to happen, do you wonder? Because we saw a sneak preview of what's coming next week. What is going to happen next week when Tracy 
It looks like on the preview sees footage, actual footage of Dean meeting with Davina and saying to her that Tracy's looks are not her strong point and other really, let's call them nasty things about Tracy. Even Davina, you might recall on that occasion, was a little bit horrified by Dean's unnecessary cruelty and humiliation of Tracy. He was sleeping with Tracy at that point already, but treating her with that little respect publicly, knowing that he was on camera and speaking to Davina, who he didn't even know very well, about Tracy. She has been showing us, Tracy has been showing us, the definition of not seeing the red flags, not listening to the warning signs, swimming in the rips, if you will, as a metaphor. But I guess at this point, she hasn't seen what we've all seen. She hasn't, she's heard, but she hasn't seen with her own eyes the things Dean has said and the way he's behaved towards her. We've all done it, haven't we? At some point when we've been learning about relationships, we've stayed when we shouldn't have stayed. Or we've seen friends stay when they're not being treated as well as they could be or should be. But isn't it painful to watch? That's something that all the viewers of the show have been through together, the pain of seeing Tracy treated in that way. To be that friend silently screaming inside, no, when we see our friend continually continuing to go back or date that person that is just not good for him or her. Back again they go with a ducking of the head and a, oh, I love him, I love her. And we think, oh, no, 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 I don't think this is love. It kind of aches inside to see it before you. And yes, Tracy, as you have said, is your fear in the show. I think you're right. It does lead most people to see you as being a doormat, which you keep saying is a major concern for you. Wouldn't be a problem if it wasn't a concern for you. Now, as you've also said, it's not silly to give love a second or a third chance or maybe even a fourth but there are conditions for that, aren't there? And this one, this particular situation is a standout relationship where silly things are said that aren't kind behind your back. You've got to ask yourself, is that the stuff that makes good second, third, fourth chances? Up to you, yes. Of course it's up to you. But there's one other thing to consider, and I'm sure you have. When we're parents, we're making the decision about the people we choose to hang out with and put our children hanging out with, as well as our own decision about who we're attracted to. Nobody's perfect. There's no perfect new partner or potential step-parent. But values, like the level of compassion, the level of kindness and respect that is inside or outside your personal boundary is going to be key as an example to your children about how to treat others and how to be treated by others. Food for thought. Moving on to Charlene and Patrick. 
Charlene, on the final date, you said to Patrick something that made me absolutely cringe and look away. You said for him to man up, that he needed to be a man. You said that to him on a date to his face. It was a super difficult thing for him to recover from. Perhaps the best response to that, because it was obviously really difficult for you, would have been something like, Charlene, with all due respect, that felt quite mean and judgmental when you said that. Rather than supporting me to rise and take initiative, comments like that can lead me to feel criticised, judged and smaller than I otherwise can feel. Can you help me out with encouragement rather than criticism, Charlene, so I have some idea that you want me to make a move and that you're not already just over me and and haven't decided that I'm not man enough for you? Because at the moment, he's got every reason to feel that that's what she thinks. She seems exasperated. There appears to have, as a result of these kind of, of comments about Patrick being too emotional for her and and needing to man up. A bit of a vicious cycle coming into place in the couple where Pat's lack of confidence is now fed by her criticism and her criticisms further and further undermining his confidence. You see, criticism leads us to lose trust in our partner and feel that the other person is not on our side, not on the same team, And that we are not actually safe to be ourselves. We're meant to be jumping through hoops and constantly meeting their expectations or they'll be down on us. Is this not a way to feel more of yourself? It's very destructive of a sense of security and warmth in a couple to feel constantly criticised. It leads to disliking one another over time. And it has to stop for any relationship to thrive. Criticism is the anti-love. So how do you behave when you have an issue with your partner without criticising them and making things worse? Great question. You have to own whatever the issue is as yours and bring it to them, asking for their help with it instead of attacking their character. I'll give you an example. Charlene could have said, instead of man up, can you just be a freaking man? Instead of that, she could have said something like this. Pat, we are getting on so beautifully. So start with encouragement and compliments. That gets people on the same side. Going on. I would love it. I would feel really nurtured. I would feel really adored. If you could take a risk and take the initiative with me with intimacy a little more. I know I could also take the lead and sometimes I will. But I'd love to see how it feels coming from you right now. And then a little extra reassurance. If you know you're dealing with someone whose confidence is a little bit down, What's it going to cost you to give them a bit of reassurance to get them going by saying something like, I do plan to be receptive if you take the initiative, so it's probably going to be a win-win. 
Something like that, if anything, is really going to encourage him and clear up any doubts in him if intimacy is what you really want from him. Obviously, if it's not, you wouldn't say that. I don't know, Charlene, if intimacy is what you want from Pat. But if so, that would be my suggestion of one way to go about it. I do fear, however, there is a deeper lack of attraction there, sadly, and I'm not really sure what that's about. It's one of those uh, things I mentioned earlier of we just don't know or see enough to, to truly get that. This is also the case with John and Mel. I feel like there's something missing in what we've seen and what we know here. So it's hard for us to understand what's really happening at this point. We don't see meaty conversations or deeper interactions between you two. There are so many gaps. But if we go with what we know, John and Melissa, when I met my husband, he was born and bred and lived on the peninsula. And I was a city girl through and through. It really didn't matter too much to us at all. You know, Altona is pretty close to the city and the peninsula is not an impossible commute. In fact, it's one that many, many, many people do every day. And certainly a lot of people do every week for the weekend. So what's the real barrier here? Mel seemed angry at John last night. So what's holding John back? John, your kids would cope with you living on the peninsula. They're adults and they're travelling themselves in the world from what we've heard. Your friends would cope. In fact, they would probably love to come down and stay a while whenever you invited them. I'm sure you can have guest rooms at the ready on the peninsula and beautiful places to take them. Here is an opportunity for not only couplehood, but for adventure. Nothing changes unless you do. Even if it meant staying in the city some nights until you look at what your couple life's going to look and feel like going forward. Wouldn't that be possible? Wouldn't it be possible to stay near your business and then come down for the weekend, have friends down? What's the real barrier, John and Mal? What's making you so cross, Melissa? John, if you just need to take an adventure and give it a try, I would say go for it. Life is comparatively short. Sarah and Telv. Yes, as Sarah said, long-distance relationships do suck sometimes and they do lead to problems in the long term. That is generally the truth. Some people get through it, many do not. But your conversation last night about that was a classic example of two people having different conversations in their own heads while trying to talk to each other and it not going very well. Telv saying, I want to be with you, Sarah, and I'm definitely moving to Melbourne. It simply takes some time and planning, but I am doing it. You don't need to be this terribly worried. Sarah, meanwhile, is not hearing that. She's hearing a complete disaster in her inner dialogue and reacting to that, getting shut down and terrified and defensive. Sarah's clearly afraid that any distance and time gap between them will quickly widen and everything will be lost. 
Sarah, you lack trust in yourself and in Telv to be able to stay together unless you remain in each other's pockets. And you know, you know that that's just not practical for anybody, especially someone relocating from interstate who has kids interstate. So the answer, Telv, if you want to be with her, make her feel as safe as you possibly can. Understand that her fault line, her cracks in the bedrock of her heart, are about being suddenly and inexplicably left and let down. Now, it is not your responsibility to heal her or anyone else, don't get me wrong. However, you must work with the fault lines of the person you choose to love and be with. And some people have fault lines that are more raw and deep than those of others. That's part of the package with Sarah right now. My guess from afar without knowing Sarah is actually that her pain was a bit too recent and a bit too raw to come on a TV show and be vulnerable in public. She may have done better from more time to heal before putting herself in such a huge spotlight and under so much pressure and public scrutiny. However, That being said, you've both done really well to get to where you are. But to continue, Telv, you're going to have to, as I say, work with what you've got and make her safe. Sarah, I would say to you, be careful. Be careful that you are not projecting your past, your terror, your anger, your terrible pain onto your future opportunities for love and relationship. You've been colouring every important interaction with the dread of repeated pain. It's one thing to be mindful and look for red flags, something Tracy could do more of, but it's just as damaging to be expecting them around every corner and reacting as though they're there when perhaps they're more in your mind than in the reality of the relationship. That's going to be damaging unless you can take a breath and start owning your pain more so and not seeing it as everybody else is doing. Trashley, I believe we're calling them, Troy and Ashley. Now, we've all heard speculation that Troy might even be an actor. We don't know what's true and what's illusion here. But regardless, one thing is for sure. I've said it before because it's appeared really obvious since very early on. Ashley has not liked Troy at all in the way a couple need to like and be attracted to one another. Even on the last date with some kind of turnaround being suggested in Ashley's feelings, it didn't seem to me like anything more than a momentary lapse of reason caused by champagne or some wishful thinking or a bit of both. Ashley's reactions to Troy seem to range from mildly amused in an I don't get you and I don't want to get you kind of way to straight out, sorry to say it, repulsion. And he doesn't deserve that. Nobody deserves that whether they're an actor or not. It's unkind to be around each other in a couple capacity when you really don't like someone in that way at all. It's inappropriate for trying to develop greater intimacy because if you push it, it could well end up feeling abusive of yourself and the other person. 
And it's horrible to constantly be around someone who is trying to make the moves and feeling put off by that and causing them to know it. That's the sort of stuff that you just can't work through. The feeling isn't there. The sense of desire for the other person as a human being is not there. And it's just a recipe for heartbreak and lowering of self-esteem on both sides. Because you don't like yourself for not being able to like someone when you want to. And they feel miserable because they're not liked and they feel unattractive. So the trashy thing has gone on too long as it is. I think uh, it, it was a recipe for leaving once you realised there was nothing there to push through. That's my wrap up of Married at First Sight right now as it comes into its last week as a couple therapist and a psychologist. If you've got a question for me about this, about anything in your own life, relationships, life, whatever it might be, please email it in to me. The link is in the show notes and I'd be happy, as I said, to give it a go. Enjoy your viewing, enjoy your world and until next time, I'm Dr. Deborah Campbell. If you'd like more from me, pick up a copy of my book Lovelands on Amazon or Audible. Bye for now.